Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for February 26th of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh for HockeyHeads.com. This week on the podcast, as we catch up with the Pittsburgh Penguins, we have a major injury to discuss. Jason Zucker looks to be out long term. Not much details other than that. We suspect uh, his ankle. And Mike Sullivan hinted they're hopeful he returns by the end of the regular season. So they're only 18 games in, or around 18 games in for a 56-game season. So uh, technically it could run right up to the end and he could miss a significant uh, piece of time. That's obviously a major injury because he is a top six forward, something the Penguins uh, do not have a bevy of. Uh, also, we have uh, the rise of a depth player, a, a forward that we're going to get to that uh, I've been impressed with this year. And we will also discuss a uh, potential trade idea involving the Penguins' defense. So that's what we have in store for today for sure. Um, so... Jason Zucker injury, not great. I know he wasn't, he hasn't played his best this year. You could argue maybe that's chemistry with Malkin or whatever, uh, but it's still a huge blow to the team. They can't, they can't replace that. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, yes, he's been below what, you know, I was probably expecting in regards to his output, but removing him from the lineup requires that whole next player up scenario which for a team that you and I both consider to be a little thin on depth makes things pretty tough so um, losing him off the second power play unit um, losing him taking up you know 12 to 15 minutes a night will be a will be a tough will be a tough chunk of change to fill the interesting thing about it is I literally just watched this while we were organizing ourselves to get ready for the podcast, I wanted to see the injury and looking at it, you watch the reaction after he hits the boards and he's grabbing really low down on the ankle. Like, do you remember when Fleury got the high ankle sprain from hitting a rut? That was a long time ago, like, yeah. It, yeah, and he missed like 30 games. Well, the worst like, worst missed... thing that could happen is a high ankle sprain. He'd be, he'd yeah. be better so having he... a fracture. Well, this is this is the thing. Looking at it, it doesn't look like he was, you know, grabbing up around his calf. It looked like it was lower. I mean, you go, it'd be good to have a, a breakdown there, which sounds nuts when you say that, but it'd be like, be good if he had a breakdown there because the bone will heal quicker than having a torn ligament down in his ankle or, at worst, like rupturing an Achilles tendon. Oh, that, so that, would, the fact, be, that would be the worst case scenario. Well, saying that he's going to come back would lead me to suggest that it's not that. Correct. So hopefully it is just a break and it's clean. Man, I <laughs> hope he broke better. his ankle. <laughs> Which is a shitty, shitty thing to say, but when you look at it as a fan of a team, you want the guy to come back as, as healthily and as, as quickly as possible. And a bone break is better than most of those other scenarios. Or as a fan of just uh, fellow humans. Are what we're supposed to think of these people as human beings and not assets? What are you talking about? So I've had a high ankle sprain before. It sucks. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to wait it out. 
and you know an a, a lower ankle injury you have the skate boot which is really stiff and can hold the heel right where it needs to um it's doable way more doable than a high ankle sprain so yeah we'll see what happens we haven't been given much details but for your what you said the the next man up thing as far as offensive depth the pet we everybody i i don't think it's unique opinions to us i think everybody's yeah. pretty con- much conceded that you know while some of the bottom six forwards might have different attributes that are decent like tanov has speed he's good defensively um that kind of stuff nobody's really an offensive it you don't have any tweeners really to step up maybe jared mccann he's you don't have a brian rust no you don't have anybody in uh down in the ahl because you have like the 30th ranked prospect pool so that makes it problematic it's it's just a tough situation and in a perfect world the penguins would be a top heavy team that got good defensive um help from the bottom six and in uh the tanev bluger uh aston reese line certainly capable of that and aston reese scored three games in a row so and i think uh tanev scored last night shorthanded um and bluger uh you know, a spoiler, he was the forward that I teased in the opener. Um, <laughs> I've been really impressed with Teddy Bluger. Uh, the question is, do you take Bluger from center, which he is a center, and the bottom six really doesn't have a lot of great options uh, outside of him at center, and do you maybe put him in Zucker's spot to boost the offense and i think it's a conversation worth having because you know the other option is to put mccann there mccann has not been good at wing lately uh when he was he's on injured reserve he's on injured reserve as well he'll be back he'll be back next game probably so just just with injured reserve he's obviously been out long enough now that as soon as they give him the all clear he can jump back in can't he Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'll play yeah. next game, to be quite honest, which is, okay. I think, tomorrow, Saturday. And well, uh, the, With that being the case, that's I reckon that's who they'll put up there. I think your idea is, is pretty solid in, in that aspect, but they've tried, like last season, they had McCann up there. He just so, hasn't been What we expected, good. absolutely. Not even that. Like, I didn't have, like, super high expectations for him. A lot of his... Um, original stock went up when he was playing with Sid and you know as we know Sid can (laughs) he has a thing where he makes players who play with him usually do a really good job so uh, McCann can play center so if you did want to do the Bluger experiment on wing which you know he's got the hot hand offensively as far as I'm concerned I think he's got nine or ten points in the 18 games i'll have to look that up but it was some something around there that's really solid for him especially who he plays with are not the most offensively gifted players and his offensive zone starts 
not very favorable because they use him in a defensive role. So it's not lost on me that he's a really important part of a defensive line, but beggars can't be choosers, and the Penguins are top-heavy regardless. But now their top-heaviness has been uh, compromised with the Zucker injury. So now you, you're you risking, you know, the Sid line's been great, or, or whoever's played with Sid this year, is, that's been a really good line. Malkin, of course, uh, most more down than up, but I would say his ups have been more recent. So I guess that's, you know, mildly encouraging, I guess. He's still he's still producing points whilst he's looking terrible. Like it is it is one of those things where you can tell that he's not the Gino that we've come to love and watch last but, year. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's he's racking he's racking points up still. Lately, he yeah, just, he's made, he, yeah he seems to be making more errors than I'm used to seeing him make, and they're in bad spots. They're they seem to be. He seems to be having one of those years where every error he makes turns into either a high quality scoring chance or a goal, and and errors past the point of acceptability, and which I mean, there's a faction of people that over criticize Gino for turnovers, that don't understand all the cool shit he does is because he takes risks, and that he's not going to bat a thousand, but his ratio is is not as good this year and yes. he deserves yes, yeah. and merits criticism for that whereas Absolutely. before yes he has made just absurd looking turnovers throughout his career but it was like seven awesome plays to the one bad turnover uh well look at that 71 71 <laughs> <laughs> um it's not the ratio anymore it's pushing more to fitty fitty, and that's the biggest problem. If that, <laughs> yeah, and um, maybe I'm being a little generous. Which, um, you know, it's it, he's at the he's 34, and you gotta you gotta ask some hard questions. Uh, for me, he's gonna get a longer leash than most on the aging curve because superstar caliber players like him uh, don't usually fall. He was MVP caliber last year, so um, it would really be surprising if he was. Um, I'd be a precipitous drop. Yeah, if he if he was. It could happen. Was, yeah, it could you happen. Know, it, it, yeah. Um, I w- but there goes the entire there goes the entire Penguins win now model. Like it's toast. Like if if any of the big three are toast, this whole this whole thing has to be torn down as such. If you know what I mean. Not saying trade everything away but this concept of yeah we're in win now for this year it's it's gone this year it's a lot tougher with uh zucker out right now but um if he does come back uh that mitigates the issue because they're they're playing pretty pretty good overall in my opinion and i think the nice thing is like a team like the sabers that maybe could have uh, got on a little hot streak at the beginning of the year or something like that with Taylor Hall. Jack Eichel was having a great year. Uh, that has absolutely not been the case. So Buffalo's out. You don't have to worry about them. New Jersey's kind of down there. Don't have to worry about them too much. The Rangers lost Panarin. 
don't really have to worry about them that much. So there's three of the eight, kind of, you're leaving in the dust a little bit. So now you're talking about the Islanders and the Flyers, maybe, Capitals. They're all in that group, so one of them's going to be out. And, you know, the Capitals really haven't impressed me this year. They look kind of slow. I know they beat they beat the Penguins last night 5-2, to two, but that was because uh, uh, a fourth liner who should be in the AHL took a bad penalty. <laughs> I don't understand the uh, O'Connor stuff, really. Uh, they've given him a longer leash than a lot of... Uh, like, Zach Aston-Reese had to play, like, dozens of games in the AHL to finally get his chance, as did yeah, a lot this... of other... Uh, yeah, but this this is a this is a function of lack of depth in the roster. Like it's it's one of those things where as a team comes to the end of their window, they've had to ship out quality depth players because they've either wanted more money than the team can afford, or they've misunderstood the value of the of the of the player and they've moved them on, and therefore, and then they haven't replenished the farm system. Well. So I mean, the the next man up into the in from the system just isn't quite as good. And Zach Aston Reese had to wait for forever because the team was deeper when he first came into the Wilkesbury Scranton team. That's a fair point, for sure. The the depth it, was it, it happens. It's yeah, it cycles to everyone. It's like when Detroit was Detroit. Players would they like to? I remember them saying this all the time. Oh, this player spent three years down in in the AHL because Detroit's so deep. And they were. Like, that was the reality. Detroit could afford to do that with those players. But have a look at them now. Like, they're bringing guys up that are just not up to snuff. I, I would argue Detroit that... did a shitty job of that as well. Like, they should have had guys like Tatara come up sooner. <laughs> I absolutely agree. But that's because that was their belief in regards to how it worked. That was Ken Holland's philosophy. So it, it is one of those things, though, where at some point, if you're not replenishing the stock at the lower levels, the players that are coming up and in aren't going to be to the standard that they could do the next man up. Oh, it's actually a third liner that would jump in rather than a fourth liner quality player. And, and that's just where the whole system is at with Pittsburgh at the moment. So you talked about and, the depth. And I don't want... I'm, I'm not advocating that the Penguins had to or should have even kept the two players that I'm going to name right now. But when you look at Connor Sherry leaving, even uh, Dominic Simone leaving, who he's been a healthy scratch in Calgary. It's not like he's setting the world on fire. No, but I thought he fit. I thought Simone fit quite well into what Pittsburgh was doing. You can end up as a player in in an environment that's not right for your particular skill set. And I thought he did, but you are right. But those are $700,000 players. I think Drew O'Connor makes more than both of them. And I would... I would Mark Jankowski, really? Simone, like, well, yeah, look, that's, that's one that I'm going to hear from you all year on Twitter, aren't I? <laughs> I, I? I haven't really said too much frequency about him, but I've been pretty harsh when I have. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, if you like, want something harsh, criticism. the first good thing he he he's done for the team in a long time is he took that hit from Tom Wilson and got him a power play. <laughs> it should have been a major, but yes, 
if you do it frequently enough, they can't give you a major because they say you can't give a major every time someone does something. It's... But, you know, I really, that fourth line they got going right now, and I know Evan Rodriguez is hurt, but it's it's tough. Like, that line really sucks. Sam Lafferty, um, you know, I think people see the speed, but you got to combine it with some hockey IQ and some hands sometimes, and he moves a lot around there. Not a lot positive happens when he's out there. Uh, the Brandon Tanev, to obviously a much lesser extent. He's very fast, a good penalty killer, um, but his speed buys him more. Uh, leeway with um, a large section of the fan base than he probably um, deserves, in my opinion. I just feel like if it looks like if it looks like you're working hard, you get a pass. Yeah, I mean, working hard just, is, is a good thing. That's not we're not disputing that. With this sport in particular, it's one of those things though where it's like if you don't have the talent to hang doesn't matter how fast you are, you're still going to turn the puck over more often than not, and you're still going to make bad decisions in spots that you shouldn't be making. I know we were just using Juno as an example, but he has the ability to make up for them. Jankowski doesn't. He makes one error, and he's minus that error, and it might take weeks before he does something positive to make up for that error. Yeah, he's... What did he score the first game? Well, he was the messiah from that point. First shift. Mario Lemieux style, <laughs> and um, he's he's terrible. What a shit signing! And um, you know, signed to be the third line center, like Jesus Rutherford. Come on. So I don't know what the Penguins do to fix this right now because they were hard pressed before the Zucker injury, given the assets that they have and that kind of stuff. It's, um, it's something that they're just going to have to scrape by on. And I think one of the big things they have going for them that they didn't is Tristan Jari's been really good. And he's been more than good. He's He's been great. I think uh, last night was his sixth straight start in a row and he was losing consecutive starts to DeSmith because he was terrible but <laughs> but he even last night you see the five to two score um it was really three yeah. and um he he's been on a run of really quality play I still don't know who he is as an NHL goaltender I don't know how you could because he's uh, I, I, Guess I gotta say it again. It's kind of like Flurry. He's kind of been all over it's, the it's map. It is interesting, you know. They've had Flurry, Murray, and and Jerry. And you, when Murray came in, it kind of felt like he was a calmer goalie. He was more reliable. But even stylistically, then, like he you looked, was way calmer. He was, but. I, I do sit there and think to myself, is is he done as a goalie? Well, you know, Jim didn't do him any favors trading him to Ottawa. I don't know. I fully understand that. But his numbers backslid as he went along. 
and you get there with with Fleury, you know what you're getting with Fleury. You're getting around about 909, 9.10. This last couple of years is different, but that's a different conversation. You know he's going to make you some absolutely spectacular saves. Then you've got the coin flip of which version of Fleury is going to turn up when it matters. And that, that was always the freaking concern with, with him as a goalie. Um, Jerry has all of those... Looks like he has all of those Fleury qualities. And you sit there and go, can we really go through that again in the playoffs? <laughs> if they get there? I, I mean, there's there's no no other option, really. I know. It, he's just such a, he has such a young NHL career. Uh, he's not young, I think, isn't he? 25. 25, so he's not like, I think people in their heads subconsciously maybe view him as like 22, 23. But they really took a while. It took a while for him to come up through the ranks, and um, you know, obviously blocked by Flurry and Murray. Uh, makes sense. Started last year awesome, trailed off pretty bad. Played okay in his only playoff game, right? Did he only play one? He played the last yeah, one. Yeah, he played the one. So it's just the thing that I don't understand. I mean, goalies are a condition onto themselves let's be perfectly honest i don't blame them for for being as strange and as weird as they are but this team looked it's, it's interesting like we i was shit counting this team at the start of the year and when you look at nothing particular has changed in regards to how they play in regards to volume of shots given up in regards to volume of shots that they generate it's literally just been the fact that he's been able to make 900 percent saves and above, yeah. And a few power play goals that, that, here and there. Yeah, but, and, but the, that's the thing. Like, he gets there, suddenly starts making saves at a minimum of NHL average, and this team starts to look a heck of a lot better with fewer holes in it. And you go, well, maybe this team's not too far away from, you know, at least getting to the second round of the playoffs, obviously prior to the Zucker injury. And you sit there and go, okay, it's only a 56-game season. Maybe the reason he tailed off last year was that it's the first time he played a full NHL-length season. They've got to work out how to split his... Like he, like I said, he's played six straight. They've got to work out when to rest him so he doesn't burn out. I've this next month, they're going to have to. They, they play a ton. Yes, but I've always said in a regular 82-game season, I don't think any starting goaltender should be playing over 55 games and on his current pace he'd be over that yeah um i don't blame them right now because um, (laughs) psychologically he needs to to get that confidence and start feeling it again because he was really bad and i bet he felt bad about it and it's tough to dig yourself out of that hole especially at that position you can't dig yourself out you can't dig yourself out of the hole if you're watching it from the bench so allowing him to play through it was an him that would have been a really tough choice too that like that's a ballsy decision as a coach like i i rag on on sullivan for not being creative enough at times in regards to some of the lineup decisions he makes and the line choices he makes but that's a big call to sit there and go we think he's the better of the two guys and i think he is better than dismiss yes and we, we we don't go we don't go anywhere without him so to allow him to play through that was a pretty big, pretty big call. But you are right; they're gonna have to time the, they're gonna have to time the breaks right because you can't really afford him to lose his mojo. 
Yeah, and it, it helped that, you know, he gave him the time off and he came back. And his his first start of the six, I believe, was like really decent, and it just kept building from there. So he looks good. Uh, will it? I'd be curious to I'd be curious to know whether it was technical or whether it was mental that he was getting wrong. Well, shit, you figure that because out. Because he looks you can, different. Uh, make a lot of money rehabilitating goaltenders. Because <laughs> he looks. He, this this run he looks different than when it was a mess. Like you'd see him totally off his angles, you'd see him flub pucks that he shouldn't be flubbing. It, it was it was like he was just a holy goalie, and now he he looks different. He's 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 as aggressive as he was at the start of last year, but he's not drifting that extra foot out of position. So I don't know. I don't know what changed, well, but he he looks like a different. Maybe goalie. it's maybe it's something. Maybe it's simple. The answer is just right there. COVID, they hadn't played since August. He's getting reps at practice and games, and because of that, he's gotten back into where he was. So it might just be a a function of the weird season. I'm hoping that's the case for Malkin. (laughs) Yes, it's true. So I think I think we're a year into this pandemic, and um, you know we want things to go back to normal, but nothing about anything's been normal, especially the NHL seasons. So yeah, players are not on their normal routines of training, and it's very strange to play one game in August after missing. What games since March, and then you're off until what January? Oh yeah. So maybe it's as simple as that. And you are laying out a pretty good case for me here. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> and, and that's not for that's you know, I don't want to. Every player's dealt with this, but some it might impact more, and we'll see. I think um, I I don't have any predictions for Jari. Uh, it could turn sideways again. I just don't know because the goalie thing's tough, and he doesn't have a, a long track record. So uh, the Penguins need him to stay where he is, and uh, you can't rule out that he will. Um, he 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 might. It might have just been a bad start, and they. This might be the goalie that they have the rest of the year. It would be pretty awesome if it was. I'll say yeah, that. It would certainly help, yeah. Anything that's 920 above is elite. Oh, yeah. At all situations, this, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, this this season's uh, average, I think, is substantially lower than the previous. So he's not the only goalie that is struggling. So I think it's usually nine seventeen or nine nineteen's been the the league average. I think for even strength. Percentage. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's in and, range. Uh, it's, it's substantially lower this year. So grading that grading everybody on that curve. Um, well, I was grading was, him on the not hitting the 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 ninety percent curve, which is yes, bad. No, no, no. I, I do understand. 
I do understand that, but yeah, he's not the only goalie that has been struggling, and the fact that he turned it around is is a relief as a fan of the Penguins. So, even before the Zucker injury the other day, um, I was trying to think of ways to improve the current roster without sacrificing too much of the future, trying to do a balancing act. And when you look at the team, there's not a lot of forwards of value to trade. When you look at the defense, some of the defensemen that you want to trade, Mike Matheson, although I must say, he 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 does the things he does well. He does them well. He is guilty of some really comical defensive lapses. And in the same game, he will power skate his way out of the zone, join the play, finish the playoff with a goal on the other end. So, you, you, so, so you're the, getting the full Mike the Matheson thing, experience at times. The thing that I don't understand with that is surely those defensive areas are teachable. Uh, let me say this. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes players, for whatever reason, <laughs> they, they that stuff never clicks, no matter how many reps, how many... Like, you're talking about a guy with, like, almost 500 NHL games. Like I'm not expecting him to change. This is the thing. Like, he is who he is, right? Like, I'm not expecting Gonchar to be some defensive whisperer, right? I'm not... I just, be, I it would be weird for him is... to uh, to help those Penguins players uh, since they can't his ass. You know what I mean. I know. I know. Reardon. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I just... Yes, you're absolutely right. You're getting the full Mike Matheson show. Uh, hey, I'll play, I'll play watch, the high event. Yeah. I'll, I'll roll the dice like that. Not at $4.8 million, but, like, I'm fine... I would rather that player. I'd rather have that player um, in a bubble than somebody totally inept that can never provide any offensive help at all. But see, I would make that argument for Cody Cece, but he has made some uh, offensive contributions that I didn't think were any skill set. So guys <laughs> on a bottom pairing, <laughs> and um, you know they're not trying to overuse him. He's 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 been um, he he's on a one year contract at like one point two million. Like, I wouldn't have signed him, but I, yeah, well, he's, I don't think these GMs would have signed him either. He's fine for what like you're not talking about the Jack Johnson shit. No, no, I I I do recognize that. The thing is, though, the fact that you've got a third pairing that you're having to hide doesn't bode well for a team that's attempting to win a Stanley Cup. Well, I, I don't think it's uncommon to have a, a, a third pairing that you have to hide. Um, you just have to really lean into the top four. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's that the depth in the second pairing just isn't quite enough for me to go. You play the Latang, whoever plays with Latang, you pay, play them thirty minutes. It's just what you do. And it's just sort of how it works. It's the fact that you need to try and get quality 22 minutes out of the second pairing that I go, I just don't know if it's quite there. It's not bad, though. You look around the league, you could do worse than Pedersen-Marino kind of thing. Although, although Matheson's been with true. Marino, Pedersen looks to be with CC Dumoulin, obviously, when he gets back with Latang, And then 
you still have Pierre-Olivier Joseph and Yuso Rikula. The Rikula thing is yeah. the strangest thing ever. They give him over a million dollars, and they just don't ever really... They've never shown they give a shit to play him at all. I know he's hurt, I but... Now, I, I'm going to ask a really... Well, I think it's an interesting question. You might be able to poo-poo it straight away, but Dumoulin comes back. I don't put him back with Latang. Well, as you know from discussing this before, <laughs> um, how do we improve the team? You have a glut of left-hand defenders. Pierre-Olivier Joseph makes one of them expendable. And here's the reality of the situation. Mike Matheson, probably not movable. Obviously, you'd want to move him. Probably can't. Marcus Pedersen. Four million, it's not a horrible contract, but you know, it's it's an uninspiring contract. He's just kind of a player. What's his market value? I don't know. Not probably probably not gonna um move the needle. Not what you need to move the needle for Pittsburgh, yeah. Well, Pierre Olivier Joseph, up and comer, attractive. Teams probably would like to trade him. Well, bad idea. You want him. Cheap. RFA. Keep him. Uh-oh. We're down to one. <laughs> People might uh, not want to hear this. I think Brian Dumoulin might be the one you trade to get something of uh, that extra forward scoring that the team needs. And you would package it maybe with a Poulin or Laguerre. And I don't even know the player I'm talking about to go acquire yet. I'm just talking conceptually. Brian Dumoulin has always played with Latang and he's done a fine job. That's not debatable. Brian Dumoulin away from Latang? It questions it leaves questions on how high end of a of that kind of player he actually is. When he was with Ron Hainsey, God bless him, he tried his best, but that pairing stuck. <laughs> and the, winning the Stanley Cup like clouds what really happened on that pairing brian dumoulin's been injured a lot what was his injury last year okay he was out for a long time it's a function of how he plays though but he's 30 or he's 29 he will be 30 yes he's not chris letang or any of these higher end defensemen He's going to hit 30, and he's going to start to slow down. I totally understand the apprehension that many are going to have hearing this and being like, you can't move him, but you have to give to get. You can't move Matheson. You already have Pedersen at $4 million. You have Pierre-Olivier Joseph. Take advantage of Joseph coming out of nowhere and being playable. you got to make tough choices as we transition from the Sidney Crosby of Getty Malkin Cup era into the new era while you are a hybrid trying to win it all. And I think someone like Dumoulin is one of those tough decisions where you have to say, you know what? This guy, because he's... And think about it. He's been attached to Latang for a long time. People view him as a top-pairing defender. 
He won a Stanley Cup as a top-pairing defender without Latang. Some GMs are going to look past the the like 42% shot attempt percentage yeah. that they had during that run. He's a winner. He's a two-time Cup champion. He's a top-pairing guy. We can place him next to our big guy, our top-pairing guy, and he's only $4 million. He's still got a little bit of term left. I, Gosh, is he one or two years after this? It's, it's one of those. 2022-23. So is when he's up? Two, two to go. Two more to go. Yeah. So, so there's value there. There's this. As far yeah, as, like, is. having control and, you know, his contract's not. This isn't me shitting on Brian Dumoulin. This is trying to be real about the assets they have, what they can get back, what they have in the organization. I think they could absorb moving him because of Pierre Olivier Joseph. Maybe he's not with Letang, but he's playable. So the thing, the thing that's interesting is sort of John Marino came out of nowhere last year, right? And had a great, like uh, the whole season was pretty bloody good, right? Now, Joseph's come out of nowhere and he's had a really good start to his career. Now, this sport, for some unknown reason, seems to run in peaks and troughs in streaks, right? It, it makes no sense to me in that concept. Who knows what Joseph will be like next year? A little bit how Marino's had a bit of a rough start this year. But looking at a, a team that is functionally saying, we are going to try and win it all this year, he's doing what you need him to do. He is not terrible on the top pairing. And you would make the argument that if you dropped him down to a second pairing against second-line, third-line quality opposition, he would still be okay without having Latang next to him. I mean, if Pedersen's worth four mil, he should be able to play with Latang. Yes. I just don't think he has the mobility to do that. No, that might be That's the not like Dumoulin's, uh, you know, doing pirouettes out there. No, but I think, du- I think Dumoulin reads the play better than... Patterson. That's fair. Um, and and that, that's why Dumoulin can get himself into a spot where he goes, well, Latang's about to go and Latang it up. Let's make sure I'm in at least a position to cover for him if it goes wrong. Whereas I don't think Pedersen has that, has that ability. And Joseph does. Joseph has that ability to just go, well, I'm going to give it to Latang and just make sure I can cover his ass if something goes wrong. And he's, he's a good enough skater to do that. And Latang is not... Where he, he like, there's a decline there too. Well, when you go and you know have a heart problem and you hit 33 and <laughs> you've been injured as you have his entire career as well, you, you are going to get a decline. So, so he's 33, yeah. and I guess it just comes back to when you look at tradable assets from the roster that the Penguins can place other people internally to recover from it, Dumoulin's probably going to get you the best return. So the only the only issue you may have there is that he's got a 10-team no-trade clause, right? So if you go, we'd like to use Dumoulin to go to Buffalo to try and steal away Taylor Hall or Jeff Skinner, just as you know, examples of teams that you would normally trade an asset like this to, because they yeah, sort of quiet guys got like Dumoulin. Twenty teams to deal with. You could find some. I understand. I understand that. I understand that. But it, it does make things a little harder. 
Um, and considering it, it's one of the because you're right, I reckon Matheson would be tradable if he was two point. You took two million. You off wouldn't that need to trade him me, if he was two point whatever. You'd deal with it. Yeah, I don't know. Pedersen is movable. He's five years He's younger. He's incredibly movable, but you're gonna get like nothing. Like oh, a third round pick. Yes, it's, how it, the fuck it, does you're that get, You're gonna get blah back. Yeah, I know. Blah out, blah back. And once again, we, we we keep looping around to the fact that I know they say they want to wheel and deal and do some shit. It's not there to do. I think Dumoulin's the only That's the problem. Like big move yeah, that doesn't you're not compromise him because he's garbage. the core. No, I'm trading him because yeah, I think he can get something. Yeah. They need something. And it is literally to, it is literally to go into that top six or top nine. Really, it's, it's, that's what we're trying to you fix. You are trying Ignoring to Zucker being escape yeah. being a top heavy team and getting some scoring help. I think there's a package to be had where Brian Dumoulin's a part of it that can get you um, uh, a tweener top six guy, maybe even a shade better, packaged with. Um, a Poulin, a Laguerre, something of that nature. And it's a tough choice to make, but I'm willing to explore that. I would at least be asking other teams in evaluating you know, what what you could get for it. I think Dumoulin would be... It would be a true hockey trade. It, you wouldn't be selling to sell. You know what I mean? You, you would. It would be to exchange... And try to get equal value with another team that has a different different issues, but you're both trying to improve the now roster. It, well, you need you need to find a team that is short on the left hand side of the defense. Well, everybody's and, looking for defense usually, so yeah, I know. I know. It's why Shiro overloaded him in the system. It's why he was a part of the story. Right or wrong, that was the theory. Um, yeah. Brian Dumoulin's been an awesome penguin, so I just want to be clear. Um, I <laughs> highly respect what he's done with the team. These are just if tough decisions. Top, yeah, that need to be made. If you got a top six forward and ended up having Zucker play as a third, that's what I'm talking about. Though. The, yeah, so you don't. It's one of those things where if you've got, and you weren't suggesting this, if you get a guy like Dumoulin trading them away, you're swinging for the fences. Praying for a top six forward, meaning Zucker ends up dropping down the lineup, or Zucker comes back and he finds the touch that we were all sort of hoping he had. Playing with Sid, not Gina. And that, yeah, it, it's yeah, it is one of those things. And I, you know, you get there, and as I said previously, I've sort of lost that emotional attachment to to players um, as I've gotten older. I can understand why there's a, a massive part of the fan base that does not want to see him leave. Oh, it's not. There's a lot know, of good that's in a perfect world. I wouldn't be moving him. But unfortunately, yeah. Rutherford <laughs> left the roster the way it is. You tell me who else are you trading? Brian Rust. That seems to be a fucking dumb idea. Yeah. Jake Ensel. Duh. No. Um. I mean, Kasperi Kapanen. Maybe. Like, I don't. I'm not attached to him at all. No, but that's, I suppose the thing for me though is that he's got to be a part. The way the roster, you if you're moving a one for one, then you're moving a top six forward out for another top six. A tweener forward. for a tweener. And all you're doing, yeah, and all you're doing is you're hoping that the tweener that you bring in 
is going to produce like clicks with either of your top two centers. So that, that's why the moving of an overload of the left-hand side of the defense, for you, but you're just trying to plug another. Got to trade from your strengths to improve your weaknesses, yeah. and you know, he really is the unlucky one out. Really. Yeah, the value of his contract has made him movable, whereas the value of Matheson's contract has made him unmovable. Yeah, obviously, so I would the get right thing by the Matheson yeah. now. But the thing is, he did the right thing by the team by not overextending his contract and asking for five or five and a half, right? Which basically would have given him security to not get moved because it would have made him difficult to move. He is substantially easier to move because he did the right thing by the team. And if you're going to be ruthless as a GM, and these, these, this GM didn't sign that contract... Or draft him, or trade gotta, for him. Because yeah, the last guy was that. the guy you, that drafted him, traded him, and signed him. <laughs> yeah, did all of it for Dumoulin. So it's one of those things where if you're going to be in this situation, Hextel's the right kind of GM to just go... I don't have that attachment to this player. None of these players I have that attachment to. I didn't sign any of them. I can do something with these without, you know, feeling bad about it. Although let's not shortchange Ron, old Ron. He did a wonderful job getting rid of bad contracts in the for Philadelphia. So maybe, maybe, Brian Dumoulin, you might not have to be traded because he pulls he had, a miracle with more... Mike Matheson. He had more. He had more assets to attach to bad contracts, though. He didn't do bad, though. Like he didn't. He got out of those pretty unscathed, even if they had assets. Yeah, he, he was no, no, pretty you're good. Right. He, yes. So. All right. Well, having having heard you say that, maybe that's another reason that they looked at, at well, why they they brought him on is the fact that he did get Philly out of some very bad spots contract wise. It's interesting. I, I mean, That's a good point. You know, Kapanen would be a guy I would look to. I mean, I don't even know what his value is, but he hasn't been looking great. I the first round pick for him, Jesus. Um, it just so early in the offseason. The buyers' market they missed out on, crazy. Um, but they, they, you know, for all of that talk, they, they they are in a decent spot right now. They're they're Playing well, in the mix. Goaltending's good, so it's I'm, buying them I'm time. I'm a little concerned. It is. I'm a little concerned about the volume of games that are getting postponed, and the fact that I don't think every team's going to get the 56 games. And oh well. You need to have points banked. That's. Uh, well, valid. I reckon they might. Um, they might do this via percentage points produced. Which is why the one point for fucking overtime losses is even worse than it currently is. Um, but they're still so even that, good that's on probably that, the right? only thing they're that worries still me. Okay, there. Well, they're fifth in points and they're fifth in percentage. Oh, they're fifth in percentage. Thought it was. Thought that, it was that's a, the. That's the. Well, problem. I guess I thought they were fourth. <laughs> I didn't think they were like third or second. <laughs> no, no, no. It, look, it's all. It's all really tight. Like anybody goes on a on a winning streak, anybody goes on a losing streak, and, and you're right. The positions two to five in the division flip flop everywhere. Um, it's just that if you end up with a team behind you by three or four games, and it looks like you're you're, you're ahead of them, and their percentage is better than you, I'd be a little worried. 
because what are you going to reward? Just straight points because they got to play the games or the percentage of points you made out of games you got to play because you got short Well, for good or bad, I don't know how it the works. Penguins are going to be catching up on games played in the next three weeks or so. March is loaded with games after uh, they lost the, the Devils games. And oh, yeah. March is uh, a 20-game month, I think. Something crazy like that. They This season might be... One and done in the month of March. I mean, when you're playing all divisional games, if you go on a cold streak, you are susceptible to your season being shot. But here's the thing. Their schedule should be favorable. They haven't played the Sabres yet. Haven't played the Devils much. Still got some games against the Bruins, of course. Capitals are pretty much, they're done. They only have two games left against them. What is it? What is it with Boston and them just having the the nasty on Pittsburgh? They're just good. Patrice Bergeron is one of few. That is your problem. Is one yeah. of few that can say, you know what? I think I'm going to take Sidney Crosby out of this game, and he does because he's that good. And I can't think of many more players that can legitimately shut down Sidney Crosby. And I think Sid agrees with it. I think Sid yeah. I think Sid respects Bergeron as much as any other player in the league. And it's for that reason. Not only because uh, being competitors, but also line mates. Anytime Canada has played recently, he's on a line, him and Marshan. They're awesome. Yeah, they're a little terrifying. <laughs> That's the best line in hockey when it happens. Yeah. Or at least it was. I mean, you know, Connor's pretty great. Austin Matthews, goddamn, he's the fucking man. Love watching him play. Because one of those, like, he's just under a goal per game pace, right? He's amazing. That shot just. is fucking ridiculous. It would be. It would be very disappointing if he because like he's right smack bang in the middle of his scoring prime right so you know how we lost Sid for 18 months right in the middle of his it would be disappointing for him if he gets there and cracks 50 and 56 and you go well how many would have that have been in 82 nah but that's <laughs> not the same like he's he, he's actually able to play the games I, get, I understand that. I just I think of the numbers in regards to... I mean, that to... should be held up with anything. Like, it, oh, he's got a hand or a wrist injury, though, so I hope that's not a big deal. I think he's got held out of practice today. That guy's hands and his shot, like, that guy is what we like to call pure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's one of my absolute favorite players to watch so um as far as the penguins though i don't know i don't got much uh much else on them no nah, i don't really either. so you know i apologize i know i've up, probably upset some people about that dumoulin talk <laughs> just just trying to be real about it and um <laughs> you know i'll probably you know, my intention was to to write a blog on it and do some research, but um, uh, work changes and um, uh, 
high school hockey season started late this year, so I'm doing that and uh haven't had the time to really dig in on a proper like written piece, but I thought it, I wanted to uh at least discuss it. So I thought you caveated it pretty well. <laughs> so uh we will see what happens with the Penguins? I am on my phone right now, loading the NHL app. I don't even know who they play this weekend. I haven't even gotten that far. It's Friday uh, evening and the uh, end of the work week, and I'm, I I can't even. Oh, I see. Island is oh, tomorrow. Oh, god damn it! <sighs> fucking Islanders. Fucking bore. You know what? The weekend games are like. The weekend games where I can actually watch some hockey live. Fucking Islanders. Not. Yeah, it's not been such a shit burger. Alright, you know what the Islanders are? Just rotten shit burger meat with the best spice ever in Barzell. But the spice ain't good enough to make the fucking thing edible. And that's the oh, I give that's, a little bit of Everlay. That's it's all the right. New York fucking Islanders. <laughs> But as far as importance, Penguins are ten seven and one. Islanders are ten six and three. So Penguins have a game in hand. So if they win, they should jump ahead of them. No, they would tie them. It's Philly, they would or Pittsburgh's tied they just for, need with to, Philly, but they've played two. They many just games. need to stop winning in overtime, Pittsburgh. Like they need some regulation wins so they can actually get some separation between the teams that they're beating. Yeah, I mean, you're. That's three two one system would uh, be pretty cool, and it would be pretty, pretty rough all divisional games in a three two one system this year, though. Holy cow! You best you best find some regulation wins, but that's how it should be. But it's yeah. Correct, but it, they were never going to do. I was just thinking in my head as you were saying. Well, why didn't they try that this year? It's fifty-six games, you know. It would, it would certainly expose that exactly what you just said. And I've gone. Why would they want that? That means teams will be out of the playoffs in the first twenty games. It, it, it's the problem with the three-two-one system. I think it's fairer, but it means that bad teams are bad earlier. Yeah, and if you did Micah Blake McCurdy's gold drafting, you could still root for the team. Because once they're eliminated, you would earn points towards the number one overall pick. Which, by the way, I believe Detroit has already started to earn those points. So, there's <laughs> that. Anyways. Um, so, I think that will do for this week. And, uh, as always, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, downloading, listening. And um, we'll see you next time. See you, guys.